And welcome to the Green Majority here on CIT 89.5 FM, or perhaps one of our wonderful radio syndicates across the country, including one at the very least in the United States. Uh, and then, of course, potentially you're listening to us uh, at a different time entirely on our podcast, which can be found on greenmajority.ca. Do you have an idea where in the United States? I have no You're idea where in the United States. No, the glory of, of, of this program uh, mm. is that it's is that any any radio station can pick, can pick it up uh, off our feed, mm. and so they don't even have to tell us. Mm. They can just we could be anywhere. We could be anywhere. So if you're hearing this in, from a radio station that you think may not have told us where you're from, give us a shout. Let us know. <laughs> Uh, because they're, they're, we could be broadcasting almost across the world. We don't know. Nobody knows. Well, you know, the, the people who I guess are playing us now, but that's about it. But anyways, mm. let's, the full extent, the, the full, full extent of the reach is totally unknown. Exactly. Uh, the voice you are hearing, uh, there is of course, David Hostetter. Uh, I am seven Hostetter, if you're co- your host for the day. Saren Kester is off the, today, uh, have celebrated a, I hope a very excellent birthday yesterday. Uh, mm. so it's taking a well-deserved break today. There you go. We're joined of course by Megan in, in the booth, a wonderful tech. And and our who now is Ottawa correspondent, mm-hmm. uh, which is still a little bit east of us. So maybe we can still you know you know like east coast, but just east, east coast, coast of Ontario. Yeah, exactly. Uh, correspondent in the middle of the show, talk about some Doug Ford things. But first, we want to sort of get off on a you know the light note that we so often try to try to make uh, happen on this show. You know, especially recently, we've had so many. Mm-hmm. Purely positive uh, and and inconsequential stories about all of the raging fires and other mm-hmm. climate events that have been happening. Uh, that we just trying to carry on that sort of theme um, and, and but try to take a more broader look at at sort of what could be co- well, what is causing this, but more specifically about uh, about the about the what the future holds the hothouse earth the hothouse earth yes you may have seen these uh these headlines uh one of the things i want to talk about before after dave sort of talks about this a bit is why this particular study managed to land across so many platforms you you almost could not help but see the word hothouse earth if you follow climate change things Mm -hmm. this week everybody's talking about that hothouse earth everyone's talking about it it's It's a hothouse topic it's got a catchy name Mm -hmm. this is part of the thing Mm -hmm. uh so before we, well, before we, but before I sort of go on for a while without explaining what it is, Dave, why don't you tell us what we're talking about? Okay. So yes, Stefan, we recently mentioned on this show that scientists have begun to look at instances in the geological history of the Earth when global temperatures were around two degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels, and they found that those states were never stable. The climate became volatile and susceptible to feedback loops that can cause the Earth to spiral away from predictable patterns. Stefan and Saren have no doubt mentioned these these feedback loops many times over the course of the show. Well, now the broader public is freaking out about such loops as well, as a recent study has been published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences titled Trajectories of the Earth System in the Anthropocene. The study is aimed at asking the question, is 2 degrees Celsius of global warming still too much? If so, the Paris Agreement will not be enough to prevent climate change from spiraling out of control. The idea is as follows. Earth's climate as we know it operates in in vast glacial cycles of 100,000 years in which periods of significant warming, with periods of significant warming in which plants and land creatures flourish, called interglacial periods before cycling back into another ice age, and so forth. Human civilization as we knew it grew out of this interglacial period, which should naturally curve back into a glacial state over 50,000 years. That human civilization, however, 
has warmed the Earth above typical interglacial levels, or Holocene levels, leading many to declare that we are now in a new geological era called the Anthropocene, characterized by human activity as the determining factor in the climate cycle. Having unwittingly usurped the natural cycle, we may end up warming the Earth beyond an irreversible threshold and pushing the climate into a new and opposite cycle, whereby instead of freezing into a period of extreme cold, the Earth goes in the opposite direction, thereby altering the climate of the Earth for tens to hundreds of thousands of years. The path by which this may happen is the triggering of positive feedback loops due to global warming in which our carbon pollution disrupts one system which then disrupts another in a self-perpetuating cycle of what are called tipping cascades at which point our carbon reduction efforts become useless and we find ourselves in the hothouse earth pathway. It is these intense and unpredictable feedback loops that will be the determinant factor in the climate cycle in this scenario. So the authors advise that humans accept our new position as the determiners of the climate cycle and adopt a stewardship role in which we achieve a stabilized Earth. The stabilized Earth scenario that the authors deem achievable is not a return to the 100,000-year interglacial glacial cycle, but a stewardship-driven process in which human beings are able to organize our systems to create negative feedback loops and maintain the Earth in a sort of perpetual Holocene. The authors state, quote, Creating such a pathway requires a fundamental change in the role of, our, of humans on the planet. This stewardship role requires deliberate and sustained action to make our species an integral, adaptive part of Earth system dynamics. We emphasize that this is not an intrinsic state of the Earth system, but rather one in which humanity commits to a pathway of ongoing management of its relationship with the rest of the Earth system. The authors conclude that two degrees of global warming being above the highest point in the Holocene is quite possibly still too much. But while they urge that we would still have enough time to avert that scenario if we act boldly and quickly, a lot of media coverage has unfortunately implied that it is already too late, implicitly, leg implicitly legitimizing defeatism, as well as those climate deniers who would attempt to pivot into defeatism in order to perpetuate the status quo, Stefan, even under the utter desertification and uninhabitability of the Earth, I might add. <coughs> In light of this, the authors state, quote, social and technological trends and decisions occurring over the next decade or two could significantly influence the trajectory of the Earth system and potentially lead to conditions that would be inhospitable to current human societies and to many other contemporary species. The authors suggest that the two soundest categories of solution to the problem are one, reducing greenhouse gas emissions, and two, enhancing or creating carbon sinks. Two central obstacles are, one, being locked into certain technologies, and two, socioeconomic inertia. It would appear that anything less than massive global transformational action is becoming more and more redundant, especially as adaptation strategies do not necessarily apply to the hothouse earth scenario, which would likely be beyond such efforts to adapt, and although the authors of the study point out that some human systems are showing signs of moving us closer, to a stabilized Earth, <clears throat> they note that our window is quickly closing. In an, article, in, in an article critical of Nathaniel Rich's thesis that human nature is to blame for a lack of climate action, Naomi Klein rejects what are called market-based solutions and prescribes, quote, a new form of democratic eco-socialism in which the humility to learn from indigenous teachings about the duties to future generations and the interconnection of all life. Sorry, that's with the humility. 
Climate research scientist Simon Lewis, writing for The Guardian, notes that, quote, solving climate change is about power, money, and political will. Thinking about climate change as a practical problem helps avoid despair because we know that huge political changes have happened in the past and continue to do so. The authors of the study write, quote, the transformations necessary to achieve the stabilized Earth pathway require a fundamental reorientation and restructuring of national and international institutions toward more effective governance at the Earth system level, with a much stronger emphasis on planetary concerns in economic governance, governance global trade, investments in finance, and technological development. A climate researcher in England said, quote, in the context of the summer of 2018, this is definitely not a case of crying wolf raising a false alarm. The wolves are now in sight. The wolves are in sight. It's quite the, uh, it's a pretty good line. The, it, it, what's interesting, uh, this is, what, there's a bunch of pieces here. The, the first, of course, is that the, the news story itself and sort of the context within it, a lot of these pieces have been, you know, shared quite, quite consistently uh, and quite widely previously commentaries on the feedback loop the feedback is exactly mm -hmm. yeah yeah mm -hmm. you know like the especially especially permafrost thawing has been sort of this mm -hmm. this uh, a part of the nightmare scenario uh for for years mm -hmm. um and then and then some of the other ones of of, of you know of weakening land and ocean uh, ocean sinks uh mm -hmm. and then and then increasing back to, and then some of the others those those are the two ones that are sort of like have been sort of well known for quite some time so the other ones are were sort of you know the the boreal forest die back and the Amazon forest dying and, and those species like that have been known but sort of less talked about I guess uh, within these sort of larger climate models and as we get these climate models bigger you sort of they they are able to expand in these to these yeah. larger new terms emerge like tipping cascades right feedback loops become part of a, a more complex theory right exactly yeah and 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 one of the problems one of the difficulties with the with 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 trying to understand this is these is these tipping points in these in these these the fact that feedback loops will intersect make the work to actually understand the model incredibly complicated mm -hmm. you know it is it is the we're getting slowly and slowly better but this is incredibly difficult work to understand how and when each one of these little things might occur mm -hmm. and so and so it takes someone to really sort of look take this like sort of bird's eye view and give sort of a general good estimation to to get a decent sense of what was going on, mm -hmm. and and so the what's interesting if a to me is that this article for some reason became like one of the most shared things within 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 most places like this 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 mm -hmm. this term was cut, picked up by CNN it was picked up by uh, you know by the Guardian by BBC by but but like you know by almost every major publication at some point talked about this and it mm -hmm. seems like everyone sort of saw what so like they finally have you know they've been hearing um, criticism for so long for not really covering climate change well and they see something that, that they can exploit and use as mm -hmm. a as sort of a uh, as a clickbaity headline um, and and really dive into it mm -hmm. and and that and what's interesting is, is 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 reading the responses from the people who wrote the report to how the media is reporting it. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the one of the authors of the report themselves, uh, report itself, uh, Diana Liverman, uh, was quoted saying, "Clearly, quote, clearly, people aren't reading the paper we wrote, uh, where our point is exactly that hothouse Earth is not our destiny, and that social that social system feedbacks are starting to move us to to the stable Earth. But media goes for worst case and makes it sound certain, mm -hmm. which is like the the last sentence." Media goes for worst case and makes it sound certain. Is there, there's two you know there's that th that is that is the classic sort of criticism of um, of the media 
especially when reporting on on things like climate change. Mm-hmm. And so it is difficult to uh, it's it is difficult to figure out exactly what uh, to do. Um, I, you know, from a, from a standpoint of, you know, if you're a, like outside of sort of what we are all already, you know, the, those people listening to the show probably are well aware of, of these, of these feedback loops and these difficulties. Mm. The difference, sorry, the difference in this, uh, particular study is the suggestion that two degree, that the, that the Paris agreement of two degrees may still not be enough to, uh, oh, contain for, runaway. Right. Uh, global warming. Well, and that was an argument that was also put forth at the Paris Climate Agreement, right? Mm. Because, uh, you know, especially by small island nations who see 1.5 degrees as, as a threshold because of the, because of the, de- because of the decimation that they're, that, that even su- any sea level rise would impact, impact their lives. Mm. You know, there are, there are, there are small island nations in the Pacific that are, that are doomed at much less than two degrees. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but, it's, not- but it's a question of, uh, a th- hundreds of thousands of years of, uh, planetary change oh for sure yeah mm-hmm. and, I, and i and i think the what's interesting here is that at some point and what's concerning about what's concerning about sort of allowing the media to run away with this narrative that we're doomed to hothouse earth is then if that is the scenario that we sort of want to live in then the solutions can become increasingly and increasingly more uh out there as well fascistic uh well not 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 so, not, not fascistic but uh but dangerous experimenting with climate you know, if the if if the one side of this is we might end up having two degrees that it becomes three, that becomes four, mm. that 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 kills us all, then the idea of geoengineering becomes dramatically more uh, defendable. Yeah. Well, the the authors of the study point out uh, three categories of solutions. Mm. Um, the one being <coughs> reducing greenhouse gas emissions. The second being enhancing or creating carbon sinks like forests and yep. so forth. The third is geoengineering, which right. they note has. Uh, Obvious risks. Yeah, and and the cons- and that that's really the concern about sort of taking this uh, as as ex- as exclusively saying we're doomed towards it because mm-hmm. then it, it like the the technological solution is going to become incredible more and more um, enticing to to society uh, as they as we as we continue to refuse to sort of do the more mm-hmm. the, the more legwork of actually fixing the, the problem, and, and so that is. That is a that is a real concern. It's yeah. like instead of scaling back, it's a solution that allows us to continue to scale forward. Well, exactly, yeah, and it and it doesn't solve a lot of the other problems, right? Like the most the most common and likely geoengineering tactic that sort of is out there right now is pumping sulfur dioxide into the atmosphere. Mm. Uh, but by but 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 that would in no way stop the acidifying of the oceans, which mm. in the acidifying of the oceans is what is really causing that destruction of the carbon sink. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the oceans are you know the oceans absorb more more CO two than anything else in the world, mm-hmm. and so we're keeping the oceans alive is 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 is, is, is is required for all human life, and and so the idea that you could solve this problem by geoengineering that doesn't also reduce the amount of carbon in the atmosphere mm-hmm. uh, is is ludicrous. It's it's not it's not possible. Yeah, because the geoengineering is not synonymous with creating a carbon sink. Well, exactly. Yeah, the geoengineering solutions are quite directly often just things like we'll put a bunch, you know, we'll reflect more light off of uh, out off the earth mm-hmm. versus or more more sun off the earth, which mm-hmm. will rather than any of the other solutions that would actually sort of solve the problem, you know, like dramatic efforts to refor on reforestation. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I would and I would tie this back actually briefly just to the just to the the story we covered in the pre- last week or two, uh, around the conversation about how poorly we are, our conservation efforts right now are, uh, are, are, are doing. Mm. Uh, and because, because in this, in this, uh, in this, 
in the study, one, two of the major pieces is talking about Amazon forest dieback and boreal forest dieback. Mm-hmm. And the Amazon forest dieback especially, that is something that, that we, can't, we, we not only have to stop, must reverse. And, and, and the current plan of just sort of you know, carving off a part of it, saying it's protected and pushing all indigenous uh, populations out of, out of the Amazon – is is not working, um, and is actually is actually causing more harm. And so we have to sort of see the the indigenous peoples who live in these in these in these areas where that, that we need to be reforested as mm-hmm. as as allies and and, and leaders mm-hmm. that we need to sort of empower to to do this. Because if we're going to do a major carbon sink revamp, which mm-hmm. is really what one of the parts of this you'd have to do, like we would desperately need to dramatically increase the carbon sinks in this planet, mm-hmm. which would be which would take the form likely of regrowing a lot of forest. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to repair the ocean is good, uh, a little more complicated, uh, but regrowing a ton of forest, it would be a, or, or forest or other natural sort of habitats of the nature, mm-hmm. um, would, would do a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Which and, is, sorry. Uh, I want to say, and, and that, and to do that effectively, you need the people who know how to maintain and manage these forests. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's, there's this, there's this colonial mindset, which is like our society has never been able to, uh, live in nature, uh, without destroying it and creating it in exactly our, um, our imagined way. So therefore, no humans must be capable of it. You must leave the land, and, and the land must be untouched by humans in order to possibly be um, good and sustainable. But uh, um, I've forgotten my second <laughs> But yeah, well, exactly. And, that's, and, and, that, and that, that problem needs to be... That, that, is, why, that is why, in my mind... Uh, the connect, there's no distinction between climate uh, stopping climate change and climate justice, uh, mm. because the the people who are most being impacted by this right now are are small island nations who did not create this problem, um, who who if you you know if you if, who if we if we can ignore for even honestly another 20, 30 years there there's there, there are stories already about nations that are try, that have plans to move their entire populace mm-hmm. off their uh, off their land mm-hmm. uh, and and that and that is only going to continue to get to get worse mm-hmm. and and uh, and the other side of this is is the fact that the solutions also require this you know require tapping into the and, and allowing leadership to come from places that we've historically marginalized mm-hmm. because they have the mm-hmm. solutions that that the Western the Western world if they're gonna solve this problem solve this problem by geoengineering Mm-hmm. That yeah. is that is how history history has shown that the Western world has decided that the solution to every problem uh, is to make it more complicated yeah. uh, and more technological. The geoengineering solution is particularly crazy because of the two other solutions, the first, reducing greenhouse gas emissions, is some for some reason quite inconceivable to us. But it's a scaling back of our activity. The second uh, is the actual uh, supporting of all natural systems that we already see occurring and allowing those to grow to do what they we already know they're naturally capable of doing like forests uh, taking carbon and so forth and the third is just to like throw technology at the world and see if it reflects the sun right which is which which is exactly like if you look at sort of the a good part of of how we got where we are currently the idea of oh new technology will save us has been the has been the, the, the perhaps the most common way of the solution to this problem mm-hmm. um, it and, is still our our supreme help well, exactly yeah yeah exactly yeah there's still uh, there are still many and that is why a lot of people are are very willing to flip to just comp- to ex- you know a, a lot of you will definitely see a lot of denialists who deny climate change is happening switch to saying that it's impossible to solve mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and it's because that their real concern is change mm-hmm. they don't want to change in the way that they think they have to and so they think that 
they will they will immediately switch to an option that means they have to change the least, mm-hmm. uh, which will end up being sort of these unbelievable, really risky geoengineering options, uh, which then ultimately just may destroy the world, and then they, then then that will mm-hmm. be the end. But at least you don't have to stop driving yeah, for the next little bit, exactly. you know. And that's the real concern here, it seems. Um, but uh, but we're gonna go to a go to a music break uh, in half a second. Um, but if you want to, the whole actual uh, the whole actual article or not article yeah i guess an article uh, is not that long and very readable mm-hmm. uh and, very we'll, readable. and we'll be posting it on the on the website afterwards so yeah, if you want to get it on the website it's very you don't have to be a scientist to understand this uh this study yeah and it's it, yeah and it's 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 got a bunch of it's got a bunch of other pieces we didn't get to cover like some of the examples of ways certain feedback loops feed into other ones and a, and a larger and sort of more diving into the exact pieces of it and it's all very interesting and high, i highly recommend it uh but for right now we're going to come back we're going to come back with uh with lauren and to talk about uh, some some of the Doug Ford things that are going on, and then and then probably some Trump things. So it's going to be a good middle section of of just more positivity. Uh, but while we wait for that, uh, Megan, what do we got? And welcome back to the Green Majority here on CAUT 89.5 FM, or perhaps on one of our wonderful radio radio syndicates across across the country and across the planet, perhaps mm, uh, over the globe, over the globe, uh, or on our radio or on our podcast, which can be found at GreenMajority.ca. Which you know that could be listened to if you know maybe maybe people outside of the globe get internet. You know maybe maybe we're being those listened Mars to. bacteria. Yeah, they're in our podcast. <laughs> They're, uh, you know, they're. To be fair, like they've already experienced some serious climate change on Mars. <laughs> they, they know. I don't know. They'd be telling us things if they could, if they could. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that laugh was from Lauren. Lauren, how are you doing? I am. I'm. I'm doing all right, fellas. How about yourself? Oh, we're pretty well. We're good. Yeah. The uh, so we're we're here to talk uh, a little bit about sort of the, I guess I would say dismantling, um, perhaps, uh, of well. well I, I, there's a, I have many ways I could frame this, and I th- what I think is maybe perhaps the most f- frustrating frame uh, is is the fact that what we're seeing is a dismantling of an entire industry in Ontario. Like mm-hmm. that is how I would dis- describe what Doug Ford has what sort of come to do. The, the the renewable energy industry oh. the, 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 the 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 well the renewable energy industry as well as the uh, as the as the as the industry of of, of you know improving buildings. Uh, in the efficiency industry, to be honest, mm-hmm. uh, in reality, actually, you know, like ironically, <laughs> the the conservative government has w- has waged an all-out war on efficiency. There, you know, it, and that is that is and industry and in, yeah, an, an industry based on creating more efficient ways to you know to reduce. Like what's fascinating about some of the some of the stuff, you know, the Green On project that that was canceled almost the first thing they did. You know, it was its sole purpose was to make building was to help buildings become more efficient to reduce their energy demand because that particular because that was the cheapest way to provide new power onto the grid mm. uh, and the and obviously the least carbon because it it's zero you know just improving your building has is, is also zero carbon and so that itself was so important um and so that is and so that that, that that's a that that we have to, we have to deal with that mm. um and then and then you know and then shortly thereafter of course the green energy act or not green energy act, sorry the the president carbon was killed and then and then shortly thereafter that or all right around the same time you know 758 green energy contracts and were were also shut down including one for a hundred million dollars that was supposed to be opened in uh, the in the fall mm. they'd built it all out 
you know, this is this, this is an absolute attack on an industry, um, and in its in its in its in its somewhat baffling. Uh, but Lauren, uh, I want to get you to jump in on this uh, as you've been sort of we haven't had you in the show in a bit, and you've sort of it's been month been weeks now of sort of these ongoing assaults. So what do you got? Yeah, no, there's there's one specific project um, because you're right, it's it's the entire industry, but that's almost too much to talk about oh, yeah, within sure. a within a twenty minute window. <laughs> um, and that's the thing, like like you say, dismantling, and it's not like it's been like a slow, steady brick by brick thing. It's like he came in like Miley Cyrus with a wrecking ball <laughs> and just like demolished everything in sight, and we live in a dystopian nightmare, and it's great. <laughs> um, but anyway, sorry. So uh, so yeah, so there's a specific project um, that a lot of people were really upset with, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners remember. It, it was a couple weeks ago now that the news broke, but um, yeah, on on July 10th, there was an announcement made that there was a project being canceled in um, Prince Edward County in Ontario uh, called the White Pines Wind Project, um, and it was a German company, but this project was initially given approval back in like 2009, um, so I think under the McGuinty government um, as part of efficiency sort of plans there. And um, so the project's been in the works for 10 years. Um, They have four of nine wind turbines um, already constructed. And on July 10th, um, the Ford government announced that they would be terminating the project under the Urgent Priorities Act, uh, which in addition to canceling the wind, uh, the wind project was also um, taking down, what else is it taking down? It was working on, um, oh, uh, Hydro One accountability, so something about compensation for Hydro One employees, and then um, also uh, was the Back to Class Act for York students. So, like, not only does he hate clean energy, he's also like a union buster. So, like, entirely what working class folks want, anyway. Um, but yeah, so so this project was canceled. Um, like, I think maybe you were referencing it earlier, but it was to the tune of like a hundred million dollars um, that this. Uh, agency from Europe had had invested into it, wow. and um, whether or not that cost is going to obviously the cost to Ontarians is is in losing this energy source, obviously, and and the jobs that are associated with it because there were uh, like there were dozens of people that were employed by this project. Obviously, it was really large construction, and then to keep the turbines going afterwards, um, and and they're well paying jobs, but. So in addition to losing those, I don't know whether the $100 million is going to fall back on Ontarians. It's sort of being debated right now because built into the act itself was that there wasn't really any compensation payable. Like they, there was, there was a, a, sub, a sub sort of clause that said like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll compensate you for lost causes. But then it goes through and has all of these caveats um, as to like what would be extracted from, from, from what they owe. Um, so I don't necessarily know that the Crown is going to owe this, this industry anything. And then in addition to that, um, they stripped them of their ability to, to, to file charges um, in association with, mm. with anything. So, yeah, yeah. Then in- <laughs> I, I think it's, it's like one of the only times I've ever been really sympathetic and I felt for an industry. And the only time I, I never thought I would say I was glad that didn't work the way it was supposed to right but in this in this one case I, I I'm disappointed that that the industry isn't able to to sort of sue the government or hold them accountable yeah legally and, and that's what's that is what is in part unbelievable to me is is the is the fact that the, the this conservative government comes in under the message that we are open for business 
and mm-hmm. then and then goes on to create a host of reasons why if I was a business I would not want to be here. Mm-hmm. Like if like and this and this extends beyond just you know extends beyond just renewable energy because renewable energy obviously is 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 is. is being attacked, and if I was a, if I was going to you know, if I was another German company and and you get the liberal government back in and then they want to get sign up on a contract, there's no way I'm taking that. You know, no. like if I've just, if you just seen if you've just seen another company invest a hundred million dollars into Ontario that was just taken away at the last second, there's mm-hmm. that is that is like the exact opposite of what business interests constantly ask for, which is we want to be able to predict what will be happening in the future, and 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 this is creating that the opposite of that. And, exactly. And then, I can't see how this government can possibly criticize um, the the folks out on the West Coast for wanting to stop Kinder Morgan and then turn around and do this. They're doing literally the exact same thing. You, you, yeah, and and arguably even further because because Kinder Morgan was you know was, still had particular hoops it had to jump through. It wasn't done <laughs> yeah, yet. You know, exactly. it, it, still, it wasn't approved. Yeah, it had not been fully you know been fully given the go ahead, and that was what the problem was. And yet here they are they're cutting, and and it's not just the green energy industry because they're doing the way they're canceling the green and the 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 price on carbon is quite similar, right? They're changing mm-hmm. the legislation, which makes them not be able to get sued, which is basically just saying we're stealing money from you. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. if, if you are Enbridge or you are these other large companies, which again, I, I, I'm i with you. I did not expect to be on the side of Enbridge ever. Uh, <laughs> but like but like if you are these large companies that were that were that had bought into the system, you the idea that you would want to continue operating in a province that might at any point in time decide that actually the money we took from you is not is now ours uh, and <laughs> and you don't and, and there's no recourse that you can do is 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 the quintessential thing that that like literally this is why this is why the World Trade Organization exists. It's to stop countries from doing exactly what the Ontario government is doing. Mm-hmm. You know, like that that is why these trade deals exist is to stop governments from basically just you know offering assets and taking them back. And and that and when you when we talk, what's fascinating is when we talk about these sort of these you know these 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 courts, these these private courts that that are so that are sort of vilified within within leftist circles. It is it is to provide avenues for companies to sue Ontario for this, basically. Um, and and yet they're doing it in a way that's not going to allow them to do that. And it, like, it's just it's it's such an overwhelming attack on industry. Um, yeah. And and it's not being framed that way because it's the environment. And exactly. That, yeah, and that Sorry, to me is no. That, 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 no, that that that's it. That's all I got. Like that's 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 what's here is that this is an industry employing many many people, and be, but because it's seen as the environment, somehow these aren't real jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. No, and I don't understand where, like, with the exception of like, I think I think one op-ed I saw in the Financial Post. Like, I don't understand like why industry isn't up in arms about this obviously obviously green and like the green energy industry is but like where where are the rest of the regulatory bodies where are the rest of the uh, obviously like like not like cap and i and i'm not super well versed in with with the different organizations but but there have to be industry bodies who are who are out there who would be infuriated if this were if this were fossil fuel related or or I don't know some other not green energy related industry, and I I don't understand oh, why. Have torches in the streets. Yeah. Right. Right. Why? Why the business minded folk of the world? Why the Why the Kevin O'Leary's aren't mm-hmm. aren't up in arms and criticizing this move because yeah. it it is exactly what he said he wasn't going to do from a financial standpoint. Which like I we all knew he was totally full of it, but like 
Right. Really, like. <laughs> yeah, like, like, can you imagine the response? Like, what if Rachel Notley, when being elected, had just shut down companies? Had just sort of right? just, had just ripped away multiple, like, like, like actual co- contracts? You know, like mm-hmm. this is the, the, like the up uh, the 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 complete. In utter silence from the quote unquote business community surrounding yep. the sheer chaos that has been created by this Ford government. You know, it, like, let alone, like, you know, it's, it's, it's not even, it, like, it's not even just in these instances, you know, like what, what he's bringing to Toronto with the, trying to remove another of councillors. Like, every, everywhere that this government touches seems to be, seems to, like, is adding chaos, which is the quintessential thing that gov- the businesses are constantly saying they don't want. Mm-hmm. And yet, no, and sorry, nobody's pushing back. No, I'm just saying, like, nobody's pushing back. It is absolutely amazing what a craft man in a suit is able to get away with that, <laughs> <laughs> that, that no other government representative would be able to. It's, yeah, it, mm-hmm. it is. And, and, and you're still getting art, you know, and then he somehow manages to, like, <laughs> not to get too deep into the buck of beer thing, but like, th- like, this is, <laughs> that is an example of government unnecessarily, sp- unnecessarily giving away money to an industry that doesn't need it and doesn't want it. And yet still that is being heralded as a reasonable policy. Like, exactly. it's like, if, if, if the, if you just changed the industry that these different things were all about, you know, like if, like if, if, if Andrea Horvath had won, come into Ontario and said, okay, all, all, all fossil fuel emitting company uh, like all like i'm going to change the program that you're under you're going to go to cap and trade into a carbon tax um and i'm going to change that on you and i'm taking all your money and i'm going to funnel that money into making kale less expensive Uh, (laughs) like exactly one dollar kale that's my new policy uh and even that's more reasonable because at least that's healthy food and not something we tax to discourage you from drinking (laughs) like like even the made up joke i just made is still more reasonable than the policy we're dealing with and still we somehow can't get it through it, 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 the financial you know the the the, the, the business uh, side of the community and the sort of the the center right of, of 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 ontario is still muted on the on the pure chaos that is being rained down by this current government you know arguably probably because they're just hoping eventually they get a tax break like <laughs> is that the only thing that's stopping them from this like what's happening here yeah, I think so. honestly, I think so. It's it's the idea that that they're hopefully going to get a tax break and that he's going to unregulate their industry. And I, I don't, oh God, I don't know. <laughs> but, that, but that's the thing. He's he's done so much so quickly that like we're we're what we're a month, we're six weeks into his reign of terror. What's it going to look like two years from now? I yeah yeah. And, and yeah. unless and unless you know uh, you know and just uh, as a, as one last sort of piece of this before we before we have to to a break you know and then you 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 think okay what is the what is a reasonable way to be able to hold these people to account given that currently the the clearly the conservative uh, members of his party have decided they do not that they don't care enough to to, to stand up to this man mm-hmm. uh, if so if that's the case then where then 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 what's left. What's what's left is the press. And what do you see about the press? Is that they're currently being clapped out by staffers who are you know, they they have forty five, yep. fifty staffers coming to press conferences, which is you get government waste. Talk about spending an hour of your time hearing a pres a conference a press conference that has nothing to do with you, just so you can clap loudly at the end so they can avoid questions, mm-hmm. which is what's mm-hmm. currently happening. Wait, what's occurring? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I know. I get to explain this live. <laughs> It is, it is exactly what he said it is. Mm. It's 
at all these press conferences that are happening, they're sending like 40 and 50 staffers, like these young people to go in and basically at the end of, at the end of questions or at the end of statements that are made in order to prevent journalists from, from asking meaningful questions and, and holding Ford to account. They're just having all of their staffers applaud. <laughs> yeah. Like literally just drowning. How long it do they applaud for? Until they leave, until the, until the press conferences, until the people who would be asked questions until are out of the room. Leave. Wow. Yeah. And then until they, they get agitated and leave. It's, it's unbelievable. And, 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 wow. and so like, and, and, and what's interesting about that is that is that that is being getting pushed back from almost all, from from a variety of media sources, but still is sort of failing to land in any real way to to actually get some substantive change. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and and it, this is this is the thing, right? It's just like you, you, one piece by piece by piece. You know, all of the all of the you're, you're seeing in a sort of a different way, but still just a dismantling of of checks and balances. Uh, mm-hmm. And and if 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 you are a uh, if you have a, if you live in a conservative riding or if you uh, have a have any connection to to these conservative MPPs who are sort of allowing this to continue, uh, please please ask them why, <laughs> uh, because apparently if we try uh, we'll be clapped out of the room. <laughs> um, so we're coming up to our next week, but hold on, I want to give you uh, last word on on really anything. Um, oh my goodness, anything. How exciting. Um, <laughs> no, I get in my notes, I'm looking down, going back to this like specific case of the wind turbines. I honestly think more than anything, more than any of the craziness of Doug Ford and what's going on in the province right now, the thing that depresses me when it comes to this case is the number of people within the community of Prince Edward County that are like super stoked that this project has been canceled mm. because there's still such a large portion of the population that thinks wind turbines are the devil. Oh yeah. Um, and and I would I would invite anyone listening, whether you are a regular Green Majority listener or just somebody who happened to flip on the radio, if you are anti wind turbine, please feel free to tweet me and tell me why you're anti wind turbine because I super do not understand where you're coming from, and I want to understand where you're coming from. I don't want to be the leftist liberal elite who doesn't understand your perspective because because yeah. because to me it's like like. I don't, wind turbines are fantastic from an energy standpoint, from an aesthetic standpoint, they look super cool. They look like they're from like a, I don't know, a a utopian, futuristic, like happy sci-fi novel. It looks like, yeah, it looks like the future (laughs) we were, we made it. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. It it looks like they're from like, yep. An alternative dimension where like Al Gore was elected and (laughs) we're not burning and things aren't horrible anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, we could do a whole show on 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 the on the baffling uh, anti science uh, experience of hating on wind turbines, and perhaps we will in the future. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us, Lauren. Um, and we're gonna go to a music break again. Uh, Megan, what do we got? And welcome back to the Green Majority here on CUTA 9.5 FM or one of our wonderful radio syndicates. Uh, so we're in the last 20 minutes of the show, but we've got four stories we're hoping to get through. And and one of them, uh, the one we're going to do right now, uh, is, is we're back to wildfires again, but with a bit of a twist. Uh, so... It's a depressing twist, warning, but mm. it's a twist. Mm. Um, if, mm-hmm. if listeners from our, our show will remember this twist from last year, because it still happened. But <laughs> Dave, what do you got? Um, well, first of all, I would like to return, not right now, but to the hothouse thing eventually. I think we should return to the hothouse earth thing oh, eventually. Sure. And what, what plausible uh, like political solutions uh, are available to us. 
um, perhaps for a future show. But uh, so California, yes. So currently, uh, almost 1,000 square miles of California have burned up so far through 2018 from growing wildfires, and the season is only just starting. Over a million gallons of flame retardant have been dropped on one site alone, the site of the largest fire in California history. The number of fires is not surprising, but the amount that has been burned in 2018 alone is five times as much as the five-year average. Californian population has risen by 16 million since 1980, with most of the growth in the form of large suburbs and semi-rural communities, which are very susceptible to fires. This is in part due to housing shortages and, a, and high prices in the Californian metropolises. Demand for forest products has caused the intense suppression of smaller natural fires in their infancy, causing denser-than-normal forests to grow, which fuel, which fuel the larger fires. Northern California naturally borns, burns very intensely every 20 to 50 years, but the increasing aridity from climate change has exacerbated that tendency. As such, these types of massive wildfires are expected to become more intense in the coming years. This is why climate change is here called a threat multiplier rather than a cause of fires, but it has fanned the flames at an, at an increasing rate this decade, lowering humidity overnight and keeping fires blazing in the dark. There is less snow, less moisture, higher temperatures in spring and fall, a shorter rainy season, and therefore a longer wildfire season. Fires have now become so large they are creating their own micro-weather systems, making them even more unpredictable. Climate scientists writing for The Guardian state that about half of the increase in area burned over the last decade can be attributed to global warming. Some residents believe that the government is purposefully not stopping the fires in some areas in order to cut competition from unregulated marijuana grow ops. Such theories typically abound during larger wildfires, but unregulated cannabis farming has created tensions between government fighters and locals, government firefighters and locals. Now, as Stefan alluded to, it also turns out that over 2,000 Californian inmates are being paid a dollar an hour to fight these unprecedented fires, but because ex-convicts are not allowed to earn the necessary official certification in California, their skills are not officially recognized and they will not be able to find employment as firefighters upon release. 4,000 low-level offenders fought wildfires, fought wildfires last October, comprising almost a third of Californian forest firefighters at the time. Arizona has a similar practice, but it allows its former inmates to continue working as firefighters once released, which also makes them less likely to return to prison. Yeah, so this is, uh, you can probably guess where I'm going with this, uh, but as I've, I've, I've said previously on the show that if, 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 fi if climate change didn't exist, private prisons would be, the, would be sort of my, the, the thing that I would be, that I would really quite focus on uh and and this and this is one of these examples of the ways again that climate change in in in, in justice causes uh are inexplicably or in in or not in, 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 in intractably linked mm -hmm. you know uh the idea that the only way to we can afford to fight the fires caused by climate change is to basically use people and again these are these low level of these offenders that they're using um are caught in a system in which in which the three strike rule exists which means that they could end up in jail for for life for very low level offenses like selling marijuana like like, like growing marijuana like selling or growing marijuana which w when is legal of course will be will will be fine but all mm -hmm. the people who 
who are still stuck in jail are almost likely not to be given amnesty, mm. uh, which again is one of the reasons why that amnesty thing has to happen. But this is the thing, right? Like the, here are two thousand. It's about twenty percent of the people who are currently fighting these fires are inmates making a dollar a day, and it harkens back to a quote that was made that was that that, that was given by a a sheriff. Uh, I believe it was a sheriff in Louisiana. Mm. So it's a slightly bit of a jump, but a sheriff in Louisiana uh, about a year and a half ago was quoted as basically when people were pushing for inmates to be let out early, mm. uh, like well-behaved inmates be let out early. His his he was fighting against it because he because he said because uh, his argument was basically that then who would clean then who would do all the work that we make them do. <laughs> you know, because Louisiana uses uses inmates to clean their their, their state house and and, mm. and and are and are their cooks and there's a huge percentage of inmates in Louisiana that are basically that are that are, are that are part of this and wow. this is a that is a very 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 dangerous and obviously very very problematic uh, coming out of coming out of a, a country that is still feeling the effects of of of, of, of slavery mm. to 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 have the idea that the cheapest way to get at, to get people to do things is to ha- is to arrest them and then put them on the front lines to fight these problems. Mm-hmm. You know, this is unacceptable. Yes, you, well, you arrest the non-whites for uh, selling marijuana, but not the uh, the the white collar boys for snorting their cocaine. <laughs> well, and then and then using them to you know to to then fight to fires. cook them food. You know, and it, it is it is it is unbelievably how unacceptable and fight the fires that uh, their uh, industrial intensity has caused right you know like there's it, it, like it, it, it is so so blanketly and so obviously uh, like a, a, a corrupt system set to such to keep uh, those in power in power uh, that that it's just that like it was interesting is that like it's pitched as this great program because you know because because the, the inmates actually prefer firefighting to to other things they are made to do. Mm-hmm. However, to pay them a dollar an hour and to use them in this in this dangerous capacity mm-hmm. it, in in a, in a state in which recently just had the three strike law that which 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 can keep people in jail forever mm-hmm. uh, protected beca- protected because the second largest union in this in in the in the in the state which is prison guards fought against it wow. is is it just it, it it creates a world where you very quickly wonder what the difference between it and a dystopian future really is mm-hmm. i guess the answer is that uh, you know in the, the, the there's, there's no wind turbines. Mm. We, uh, had, we had the word neo in front of things that be, that are modern but are, appear to be historical uh, trends um, and have now been warped to the present day. Right. So we could use neo slavery. Right. Well, well, and, and some, like that's like this is you know, and, and this is the thing. This is how, how all or is that of, watering it down. Oh, well, that, word neo. That, that's the know. question. There's a there's a debate about that, right? But th- this, that's the question, right? Is like here is this this society that's set up that is that it, you, if you follow all the links down, you, you you it's very hard to get out of this sort of understanding of, of of how clearly these things are sort of laid like one step one, step two, step three, step four, mm-hmm. and you end up having Having, you know, you know, largely, l- largely already, uh, um, you know, put down uh, sets of sets of individuals who who using being used at cheap labor to solve the problem that they know no way no way caused, mm-hmm. and and that has to be a part of the conversation, uh, which is why every time the California firefighters get uh, California fires get brought up, we sort of end up pivoting back in part to this fact. Uh, because these are two thousand people who the rest of the firefighters are going to go home and be hailed as heroes and make make mm. money, and this mm. two thousand set of people are going to be sent back after mm. risking their lives for people uh, to 
to jail. And these are these are low-level offenders who have to already be on good behavior and yeah. have to go through all this other training in order just to be allowed the privilege of fighting our fires for a dollar a day. Exactly, and and then and then again, and if you want to leave them early, well, then who will do all this work? You know, mm-hmm. it, this is this is problematic, which is, seems obvious. But we've got three more stories that we should get to. Uh, so, and the next one's about caterpillars. So let's go to the caterpillar story. All right. So we're going to pivot from uh, our history of uh, usurping other people's glory and exploiting people to caterpillars. Cat- yes. Um, so yes, uh, hungry caterpillars, Stefan, known as the fall army worm, have made it into southern India and could get into China and threaten the global food supply. Uh, the army worm devours many different kinds of crops, including soybeans. In fact, I believe the number was over 180 different kinds of crops this thing can get into. But is known for enjoying maize and is already inhabiting such crops in the state of Karnataka and could spread rapidly through the 20 million tons of maize produced in India each year, endangering the food supply of millions of people. The species is native to the Americas, but landed in Nigeria in 2016, where it spread to 44 countries and devastated crops across the continent. It's a matter of two years. The Guardian reports that such invasive species cost the global economy $1.4 trillion U.S. per year. Some army worms are resistant to genetically modified plants and pesticides, so other approaches are being considered, such as releasing predatory wasps or germs that may spread disease through army worm populations. Yeah, you know, just another... It's it's amazing that even caterpillars get to be terrifying in this time of, mm. in these days. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a we thought they were so nice they become well, butterflies. Well, exactly, yeah. Um, but you know, and invasive species again are 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 truly this. Uh, you want to talk about other things that we have no real hold of? Mm-hmm. It, it is it is how much the mm-hmm. changing temperatures will allow for new species to end up in, in in what what will they do? Yeah, we're seeing it in Canada already in the Rockies and in in uh, parts of the boreal. Yeah. With the, with the beetles. Vast areas, yeah, vast areas of uh, forest are now dead yeah, because it, of migrating beetles. Yeah, and, and, and that will only continue. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but we, we're, we have two more stories left in seven minutes. So what do you got? So I have in the, in the United Kingdom, a warning has been published from the National Farmers Union in the UK stating that if Britain pulls out of the EU with no deal for importing goods, their food supplies will last only one year. International Trade Secretary Liam Fox claimed that a no-deal Brexit has a likelihood of 60-40, which would make it very difficult for the UK to feed itself as it currently produces only 60% of its needed sustenance, and the labor and free trade deals it relies upon in its relationship with the EU could dry up in the wake of Brexit. Farmers are calling on the government to support the farming of those foods that can be produced well in the UK and to reduce reliance on imports. This is coming as recent heat waves have shown just how vulnerable British farms are to climate change. Collective organization around supporting the growth and consumption of locally farmed goods is being called for, especially for those goods that grow well in the UK's climate. Yeah, and this is a uh, quite important because if you remember uh, again previous shows, uh, the UK's food is is currently. Uh, quite at risk to being lit on fire by accident. Mm. Uh, for those of you who can check a show or two back, uh, there's a there's a the story. The farmers where, are carrying fire extinguishers. Yes, exactly. The the droughts have become so important that the, the farmers are carrying fire extinguishers. And so and so this is again another example of this type of thing of like these are you know 
it's not just happening in the UK. It's not just happening. It's happening everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so this isn't the type of thing where we sort of understand, you know, the types of disaster relief or, or types of, uh, of sort of assistance needed in certain places, depending on certain times. But that's can't, it's not possible if it happens everywhere all the time. <laughs> like, like it's not like you can't you can't be there for one organization for one place uh, during a during a period of time and then uh, and then and then you need your help later on. Mm -hmm. That that model breaks down once it's as it's as the sort of the the dangers increase exponentially everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so the uh, and so this 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 Brexit is is again a sort of a self inflicted wound by 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 really by the the far right of Britain. Uh, and so. It's interesting to see sort of that it's that this that like you would think you would think uh, that the if you lived in a place where where you knew that you could just not do a thing and if you not by not doing the thing you would not there, you would not have to worry about having massive food shortages mm -hmm. but you are you are stepping into an agreement of a food crisis mm -hmm. that is that is what's happening there right now like they're they're lit with this with this context they are choosing basically to be like okay well let's find out let's find out what a food crisis is like <laughs> like they could just not do this they could just not leave the eu and then mm -hmm. and everything would continue as it currently is um, well it would be complicated to to say we're not going to now it would be complicated but they still could you know, there's there's certainly you know, and, and even 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 the the labor leader Jeremy Corbyn has not put has not who at this point is still I believe is loosely saying that they want to, he also will will support Brexit, but he, yeah, well, just because of the, in virtue of the the fact of the referendum, right, right, but the, but he's also has not put off the table of a second referendum that mm. would uh, once a deal or no or no deal exists. They should they should be allowed to have a referendum on the deal, which would make sense. Yes, because yeah, <laughs> that's really the thing itself. Right, exactly. But but why? Uh, mm. But we got we have one more story, and we're going to end this uh, end this show on on the most most popular story of uh, of the last two years, uh, Mr. Which is Donald Mrs. Trump. Donald Trump. Yes. Well, actually, this is going to curve back nicely to our original um, section. Oh, excellent. Which is uh, about the disparity between, well, it wasn't obviously entirely about that, but about the weight of responsibility. So uh, Donald Trump um, is trying to withdraw from the Paris Agreement, is killing Obama's clean power plan, is reducing fuel efficiency standards and trying to prevent California from raising its fuel efficiency standards, selling off public land and oceans to new oil drilling and resource exploitation, is subsidizing the dying coal industry, and is now also lifting a ban on a, a ban on bee-killing pesticides, which could gravely harm pollination patterns. He is now being yelled at by Caribbean political leaders, whose lands are being ravaged by massive hurricanes, coastal erosion, and sea level rise. Darren Henfield, foreign minister for the Bahamas, said, quote, I don't know what influences the mind of President Trump. We always talk to our neighbors in the North, and part of our foreign policy is to sensitize them and the international community to the threat we face. The U.S. is a major player in the world, and it needs to lead. We depend on it to be a moral voice on issues where people are vulnerable. We really hope the U.S. adjusts its position. It seems there will be doubters until we start completely losing islands. Roosevelt Skerritt, Prime Minister of Dominica, said, quote, we as a country and as a region did not start this war against nature. We did not provoke it. The war has come to us. The stars have fallen. Eden is broken. We are shouldering the consequences of the actions of others. There is little time left for action. While the big countries talk, the small island nations suffer. I think, I think the only, the, what's sad is the only thought I had on that was, was I'm not even sure that losing an island 
uh, will will really affect people. No, uh, probably not even losing Florida. <laughs> you know, yeah, in Florida, really is going down. Uh, but I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it on on that sort of quote, just because uh, we're, we're out of time. Uh, so thank you all so much for listening. Uh, tune on, tune in next week uh, when we'll have a, a we'll have Stephen Sharper uh, from uh, talk about talk about religion and ethics in the environment, uh, and then we'll have a, more news as always. Uh, have a good good week, good green week, everyone, and see you all real soon.